0: Captain, one of the ambassadors is asking to see you. It's Ambassador Kosh. The sooner we get him out of here and into a nice, comfortable interrogation room, the happier I'll be about the whole thing.
1: He's got a plan. I can tell.
0: You want mail on that?
1: Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two friends who have gotten to know each other while re-watching a show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jaffair. And I'm Laura. And today we're going to play a card game. We did this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember if we came up with a name for this. I don't think we did. Yeah, I don't either. If we did, please remind us what it was, listeners, if you do remember. If we didn't, then come up with suggestions and we'll pick the one we like.
0: Yeah, feel free to name our card bit.
1: Name the card bit. It is the worst contest since the Find the Rusty Nail and the Big Mac contest.
0: <laughs> okay, so remind us of the rules, Jafer.
1: So we have a bunch of Babylon 5 collectible card game cards. We've opened a number of packs in addition to the packs that we've already opened since last time to mix up the card pool a little bit. And we have four piles of cards. We have a actor. So this could be a character a fleet, a group, something that arrives on the station or is on the station that is involved in a thing. We have the thing that they are involved with, which is the problem. Then we have the solution to that problem. And then we have the twist at the end where either it goes right or it goes wrong and we see what happens. And what we do is we've got all these cards separated. I've got four in front of me, one from each pile. So does Laura. We're going to flip them up and we're going to use them to tell the A story and B story of an episode of Babylon 5. And we are then going to rate this theoretical episode of Babylon 5 on our typical scale of Babylon's 1 to 5.
0: Well, everything we make has got to be Babylon 5, right? But
1: yeah, well, let's see. We did a really good episode last time. I was very pleased with it. So
0: let's see if we uh, get lucky again.
1: Yep. All right, Laura, take us on our A plot.
0: Okay. So I'm the A story this time. And I have for our main character or a character that's starting the A story, I have Rathen, who's okay. a Great Council religious cast member. Ah. And ooh. Rethen gets himself into a situation involving racial hatred. Okay. That is my my second card. So let's see. Racial hatred should involve the humans, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's uh the minbari's kind of antagonist there, so
1: yeah, not giving up the ghost from the war. hmm Still upset about the um, the murder of Dukat.
0: yeah, and he's religious caste, so maybe he's got to pull beef about the souls thing. He mm. knows about the souls. the religious caste knows that the Minbari souls are being reborn in humans. yeah, and maybe the solution to this problem of the humans having our souls is we just eliminate all humans, right?
1: Yeah, then the souls have so, to come back to the Mimbari.
0: Yeah, so he's he's starting out. this racial hatred cult. There's my okay. idea. Okay. And the solution to this problem, you know, it, it involves Babylon 5 because some attacks of this cult start happening on Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. So his his racially motivated religious cult is taking down humans on Babylon 5. And we have to involve the human special ops. So we get yeah. a special ops team together involving Garibaldi, of course. Yeah. Also Sheridan because he's got to be involved for some reason, you know? Yeah,
1: for sure. No, he's, yeah, he's he's gun and He's running in there.
0: Yeah, and We've he's teamed up that. with Delenn because he's, he's crushing on Delenn at this point, right? Mm-hmm, and so he's teaming sure. up and they're going to solve this thing together. The twist at the end is that there are several Minbari that are killed in a dramatic and sort of public way in this process of our resolving our story, and that creates further isolationism among the Mimbari.
1: All right. Well, that's a strong A-plot.
0: You think so? All right. I
1: think that's a good episode. All right, so our B-plot is going to involve commercial telepaths. Oh, okay. Right? Specifically, uh, a bunch of telepaths are mysteriously just like, they're on their way to the station, and their ship gets blown up. Mm. And we know as the audience that it is a shadow ship that blows them up. Okay. Now, how they resolve this, uh, they're worried about any possible survivors out there, right? So they send uh, a bunch of ships, but it's pretty far out. But Sheridan, in between everything else, pulls some strings and gets some emergency military aid. Okay. And gets some Earth Alliance ships. You know, maybe it's the Agamemnon, maybe it's one of his buddies or something that are out that way to go and find the survivors on the ship. But it ends in prophecy. One of the telepaths has a vision of the future and shadow attacks.
0: Okay. I'm going to retcon a little bit of my story and say that there's signs of shadow influence on Rithen as well. There we go. Okay, so what do you think then? This is a strong
1: episode. I like this episode. I'd watch this episode.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you give it a four? You give it a five? How do you feel?
1: I really like the concept of the Mimbari responding to the loss of their souls with, like, well, we have to just genocide the humans. (laughs) Because that seems like something, like, you find out this is happening, right? And then you've come to terms with it, and then you've got time to process it and think about it. it's like, well, we've noticed we've had less great souls for a thousand years or something, whatever it is, right? And it's just like, well, let's just go take them back.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think it this could out. be a, a yeah. Babylon 5 five episode. Like, Yeah. You do it in the right way. We get the right actors. Mm-hmm. It's good.
1: All right, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, good job.
1: Just like I am here for today's episode, season two, episode 13, Hunter Prey.
0: So we open on this episode, we've got one of these great openings that I like a mm-hmm. lot where we zoom in from outer space onto C&C great attempt at CGI here. Garibaldi's looking for Sheridan and Ivanova. We've got tense music in the background that, you know, something important is happening. Mm -hmm. And he seems shocked to find out that they've gone to Bay 13.
1: Yeah. Bay 13, of course, quarantined as we find out why, because Kasha's ship is there.
0: Yeah. Kasha's ship is there and it's creepy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They discuss how little they know about it.
0: Sheridan gets too close and he triggers the ring doorbell camera slash targeting laser. <laughs> <laughs> now available on Amazon.com.
1: You know, it okay. might. Doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> the targeting camera. Man, <laughs> yes. You just like flip it on, red dots. Please put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. <laughs> you get someone to back up off your porch.
0: Yeah, it would, wouldn't it?
1: Um, only in America. They talk a bit about uh, what's going on. Sheridan backs off. The The gun thing goes away. Ivanova reveals the reason for the quarantine. Besides just that, uh-huh. the gun thing popping out of the ship is also considered dangerous because the workers were also having dreams where the ship was speaking to them. Creepy. Yep.
0: That's our second reference to Vorlon's and dreams, I think.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that in this episode. Well, yeah, and the previous.
0: Yeah, Sheridan saw him in his dreams.
1: Garibaldi catches up, and as they leave, Kosh reveals he was there watching them the whole time.
0: Yeah. And his ship says something to him mm-hmm. that we're we are not to know. But he's talking to his ship. In Sheridan's office, Garibaldi briefs everybody that the president's personal physician has gone missing and mm-hmm. he's a traitor.
1: Yep, Dr. Jacobs, and they think he's already on B5. Yeah. Orders are shoot to kill despite his status as a civilian.
0: Yeah, this is very suspicious Mm -hmm. to Sheridan especially. We come back from theme and we Mm -hmm. get Cal Hudson.
1: Yeah, Agent Derek Cranston. This is uh, Bernie Casey. He's Cal Hudson on DS9. He is also the teacher in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, really? which is the first of two Bill and Ted excellent adventure actors in this episode.
0: I caught the other one. I didn't catch this one. (laughs) (laughs) I got too excited about Cal Hudson and getting to play the drop again. Yeah. Yeah. So his explanation for authorizing extreme force is that Jacobs has misused his security clearance. He's gotten data on a bunch of black ops, state Mm -hmm. secrets. And these could ruin relationships with half the non aligned worlds. Yeah. Which he says it just, you know, very blase, very, it's a glossed over really quickly, but that's sort of horrifying, isn't it?
1: I mean, I feel like this is the kind of stuff that you generally accept governments to do, but mm-hmm. you don't want anyone to know. Like, it's watching the sausage get made. You know, like, I would expect our government to have a plan for. Most countries deciding to attack us, whether or not there's any realistic expectation of that happening.
0: Yeah. But it's still one of those things you don't want to think about. And your brain probably actively avoids thinking about it for sure. A lot of
1: times. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You don't want, you know, the news to hit and it's like, oh, United States planned to counter invade Russia. And you're just like, oh, that's terrible. Why do we have that? But of course we have that.
0: Yeah. Somebody's got to. Sheridan agrees to cooperate. He orders Ivanova to search all the outgoing ships, slow down departures, and to cite mechanical problems. We've you've never done this in your work, have you, Jafer?
1: Cite mechanical problems to buy time. Uh-huh. If I did, I wouldn't be admitting it on podcast.
0: I've I've certainly never done this.
1: It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, no, never.
0: So, Cranston leaves, but Garibaldi is feeling super sus about this whole thing.
1: Yeah, they they know they're not being told everything.
0: Yeah. But, you know, you got to go along to get along until you have more information, right?
1: Yeah. Garibaldi knows where to go to get more information. He goes and speaks to Dr. Franklin, who, of course, reveals that he studied under Dr. Jacobs at Harvard for two years, and he vouches (laughs) for his character before being reminded that last time he did that, it went really well for everyone on the station.
0: Yeah, I, I really wonder also if Jacobs is the one that taught him to take patients back to his quarters, requisition that spare cot. You know,
1: he's the best there is. I hope not.
0: I had a good laugh, but I really do like it when shows refer to other things that have happened in the show. Mm -hmm. You know, Garibaldi brings up the plot of Infection, and I don't know if this is just because we kind of grew up in that time where shows didn't have memory.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's no guarantee that you had seen an episode because everything was built for syndication.
0: Yeah. And so they they didn't necessarily do that self-referential thing very often because it just didn't work for their medium. But
1: people have no memory. They will not remember anything and you can't mm-hmm. expect them to. So yeah. you don't. Yeah, They've made the leap to watching a genre show about a space station and diplomacy. So mm-hmm. that must be enough. Yeah. We, we do get to meet Dr. Jacobs right after this. And it's Tony Steedman, mm-hmm. who is, of course, Socrates in Bill and Ted. All we are. Is dust in the wind, dude. <laughs> He's uh, looking for an Identi card. He's in the marketplace. And mm-hmm. a merchant turns him down because he wants it too bad. And yeah. so he has to leave. And then out of the shadows comes Richard fucking Mole. <laughs> Richard Mole is probably the most that guy of that guys. Yeah. I know him mostly from Night Court, where he was bull. He's the bailiff in Night Court. But he is in hundreds. He's all over the place. Like, just just everything from Jingle all the way to, but I'm a cheerleader. He's just in <laughs> everything. He actually almost had the role of Gold Ducat, I found out, too, reading about him, which is something no. I had no idea.
0: Oh my gosh, that would have changed Gold Ducat a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mark Alamo is, uh, how do I want to put this politely, uh, mm-hmm. a fucking creep. <laughs> I, I don't know about him personally. I know absolutely nothing about right. his personal life. Uh but the character is played like that. And I don't know that uh, I feel like uh, Richard Mole would probably play him a bit more as a strong-arm kind of military guy instead of a deceptive kind of creepy dude. And we got yeah, would have gotten yeah. a lot different character.
0: Yeah, Mark Alamo was certainly unique and
1: perfect. I'm not just any Cardassian. I'm Goldakat. <laughs> so
0: in the hallway. We see Sheridan starting to get on an elevator, but he sees Kosh creeping around in the hallways.
1: Yeah, he straight up pulls a Garibaldi here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he goes to try to make some small talk where he subtly calls Kosh out for being secretive. Mm-hmm. And then when Kosh questions why he would want to get to know them, him better, Sheridan calls him out for being on his dream in this is it Strebe ship? Stribe?
1: Yeah. Sh- Strebe, I believe.
0: Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. This whole little exchange was really hard to make notes on because it was so kind of cryptic. It's
1: very Kashi.
0: Mm -hmm. It's hard to make notes about Kosh. Yep. You're right.
1: Yeah. I I just wrote down, he said he listened to the song. Yeah. Cool. Which I assume was The Chain. (laughs) Because The Chain is so good, guys.
0: Uh So, yeah. I guess Sheridan's thoughts became a song is kind of what he was Mm -hmm. getting at.
1: We cut over to Agent Cranston, who's briefing Officer Kanicki and the rest of the security force about mm-hmm. how they're going to use Dr. Jacobs' COVID vaccine chip to find him on the station.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's he got the COVID vaccine chip. They're, they're using special scanners to find that. Garibaldi briefs Sheridan on Cranston's whole thing. But as they're walking, Sheridan spots a ribbon tied to a corner in a hallway, yeah. which seems very analog for this particular century, uh, He makes an excuse to ditch Garibaldi, heads to the cargo area where Sarah, who we identified from the credits yes. and your card the, that you in opened the earlier, card, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, is apparently waiting for him. So her signal is to tie a ribbon to some shit in the hallway.
1: Hope someone sees it in time. Uh-huh. How long do you think she was waiting there?
0: That's a good freaking question, isn't it?
1: Like- 10 minutes, hour, two hours. She's just like,
0: she's just like in a cargo bay, just chilling. Okay. (laughs) Here's the other thing about the scene that I don't quite get. She Mm -hmm. tells him that he's in great danger and we go to commercial break. And there's no danger to Sheridan in this episode at all. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like He is fine the entire time. We've seen Sheridan in great danger and it usually involves Mm -hmm. being kidnapped by aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, taking yeah. uh, taking something uh, Star Fury out there to fight some shit that he shouldn't be. He is fine here.
0: Yeah, she's just ratcheting up the tension to commercial.
1: He could have been walking around this entire episode in his pajamas, and it would have felt weird, but not like, why are you wearing pajamas to this? Like, you should be wearing uh-huh. armor. Uh-huh. Right. We get the lowdown on what's going on. Jacobs is not a traitor, but rather can prove that Clark lied about being sick to get off Earth Force One before President Santiago was killed when it blew up. Sheridan is instructed to get a sworn statement from Jacobs and to get him off the station alive. Sheridan tells Garibaldi, who then informs Franklin. We cut to Dr. Uh-huh. Jacobs, who's recording a personal log before going on the run again, and he is almost out of Starbucks and things are about to get rough.
0: I got a question for you, Jafer. Yeah. Before these last couple of years... Did you think that it would be bonkers for an investigation into a clear coup attempt against a democratic government to take so long?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) If anything, this might be more efficient. We're not even six months out at this point. What
0: a wonderful world you live in. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I
1: I don't want to spend I too much time studying this time frame because it's going to get real depressing real quick. Right. Oh, no. Anyways, we cut to Garibaldi's quarters and Franklin takes a chance to gloat, but he's batting 500 on personal references here. So uh, maybe he needs to calm it down a bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Garibaldi throws on a hat, which I'm sure my dad actually owned a copy of. He calls it a disguise Another classic Mm -hmm. homeschool security trick. All I know is this.
0: Yeah, I think he's right to say that people notice the uniform, not the face, Mm
1: -hmm. and that
0: he will have a bit more anonymity down there and down below without his uniform on. People will just look right over him. But I think he is wrong to say that that dumb fedora is an excellent disguise.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: So in another hallway, Jacobs is accosted by the very tall and creepy man we saw
1: max we find out his name is later in the episode
0: Mm -hmm. we actually get a name for him where we don't get one for sarah
1: Mm
0: -hmm. he's got him pegged he knows this person in the nice suit doesn't belong here he quickly puts it together that he's running away from something and they start going through his clothes they find the data crystal and then they find his presidential pocket watch Mm -hmm. which you probably shouldn't have carried on you if you were trying to hide
1: but it's fine it's Agent Cranston is conducting the search and is convinced they have narrowed down the area to where Dr. Jacobs is to down below, but Sheridan mm-hmm. makes mention of a heavily lead-filled area with machinery called downtown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agent Cranston jumps on this, is all like, oh, you're a genius, and it's all ploy, it's well done. Ivana was just like, they're going to have to cut through how many doors? And he's just like 47. <laughs> it's just like, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going to take a while.
0: I love that she calls him out, too, on the the downtown name. Yeah. She's like, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it worked.
0: I, I agree, though. Could have been more inventive. Corbin calls right at the end of the scene and tells mm-hmm. Sheridan that Ambassador Kosh would like to speak to him.
1: Yeah, this is a big deal because this has never happened ever. Kosh just never said he actually wanted to talk to someone before.
0: Yeah, exciting. <laughs>
1: After this, Garibaldi and Franklin are in Down Below, and they eat some Nutri-Grain Bars and wax poetic about the promise of the future, never living up to what everyone thought it would be.
0: Mm -hmm. Much
1: like Nutri-Grain Bars. Maybe somebody should have labeled the future. Some assembly required.
0: I thought this was really insightful. I was like, wow, he wrote a description of how millennials feel about everything before we were even grown up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, neat. So Franklin, after he finishes his Nutri-Grade bar, spots the vendor from earlier, and now he's trying to hawk that presidential watch. He's Mm
1: -hmm. trying to sell it. Uh, It's
0: funny that he was so smart earlier that he didn't step in the big pile of shit that was Jacob's whole mess. Yeah. But he got really dumb really fast.
1: A watch (laughs) from the president. Right. Right. (laughs) I can sell that. Garibaldi just harasses the shit out of him. Until he gets mm-hmm. the information that he wants. Yeah. Good thing you're not in uniform, I guess. Uh... Meanwhile, Max calls Cranston and secures a 10K finder's fee for turning over the doctor. Sheridan goes to Kosh's quarters and they have a typical cryptic Kosh conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Although he
1: does get a real nice never ask that when he's all like, what do you want?
0: Yeah. But he does say a... it
1: three times before Kosh is like, hey. <laughs>
0: that's offensive right (laughs) uh he tells sheridan he's going to teach him about himself Mm -hmm. until he's ready to fight legends so
1: yeah
0: yeah it's very very cautious. and down below garibaldi and franklin have found the kidnappers hideout Mm -hmm. while they're liberating jacobs garibaldi gets himself stabbed because of course and jacobs tells franklin that max has the data crystal so garibaldi decides he's gonna have to stay and get that crystal because if we copy these files, we've got a big problem.
1: Yeah. Dr. Franklin forgets the do-no-harm part of the Hippocratic Oath here real quick and just starts <laughs> swinging fists. He just jumps <laughs> into this fight. Garibaldi gets stabbed, and he's all like, guess I'm fighting. <laughs>
0: it's those uh, instincts.
1: Mm-hmm. So they decide they're going to split up the party and uh, track down the Data Crystal and also get Dr. Jacobs out of there.
0: Yeah. So Garibaldi waits. He's got the flunky tied up. Max comes back. Garibaldi gives us a really fun dramatic monologue while he's Mm -hmm. also target practicing um, and Max gives up real quick.
1: He's just like, he's so casual about fucking lethal force here. (laughs) Just like this guy, we don't even know if he's armed, right? Like he just, not like he pulled Mm -hmm. a gun on Garibaldi and he's just shooting around him. Mm -hmm. It is horrifying.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if this Max is the kind of criminal that, knows not to carry a weapon on him because that's going to make whatever he's doing an automatic felony.
1: And so he just does it. (laughs) He's got a knife. He's got a little knife we see a couple of times. Oh, that's true. You're probably right. It's It's probably different with a gun. Yeah, it's a small knife. So Mm -hmm. That's a pretty small blade. (laughs) Yeah. Just Garibaldi in this scene, like if Garibaldi was a 20 something in 2008, he would still be dressing as the Joker for Halloween. It's the vibe that I get.
0: (laughs) Yep. Oh, I, I dated someone who dressed as the Joker for Halloween.
1: But like once or like a bunch. Because there was that one Halloween where literally everyone was the Joker. And mm-hmm. like not not a great character 100% to try to emulate. But, you know, you do it once. Okay, yeah, it's, you know, how how did I get these scars or whatever, right? Like I want to see a magic trick. Like, yeah, okay, that was a fun, important movie for you, I guess. One year you get a pass, but multiple years?
0: Yeah, for him it was like a kind of a serious cosplay thing. And there are lots of reasons that relationship didn't work out.
1: <laughs> and Cranston is pissed about getting the runaround and Sheridan is just like, oh, okay, well, uh, the doctor needs me by and talks everything <laughs> over with Jacobs. They get the crystal, the password, and they have a plan to get Dr. Jacobs off of the station before Uh these scanners kick in because they found out that they could just use the station's scanners.
0: As we've done, I think, at least twice before. Yeah. (laughs) Although, Um, to be fair, the last time they did it, Sheridan and Garibaldi kept messing stuff up because they were having boomer problems. It's true. So Sheridan's got a plan.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We cut straight to Ivanova, offering the internal scanners to Cranston. Mm -hmm. We've gotten it ready. In the background, Corwin is telling us that Ambassador Kosh is ready to leave.
1: This part doesn't make sense to me. So do, do, okay. do we'll tell me. Just run through okay. it real quick. And then I'm gonna tell you my gripe. Okay, go for it. So they go through this whole thing, they scan the station, he's not on the station, right? Mm-hmm. Then Kasha's ship leaves, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, Well, scan the ship. And it's all like one life form, non-human, because it's the ship, as we find out, right? It's a living. Right, thing. right. And it's like, okay, oh, we can start a diplomatic incident with the Vorlons, or you can give up the ghost. He's not on the ship, right? Why the would he be on the Vorlon ship? That doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. They've already scanned the station, and
0: -hmm. they've
1: already told us that their scans can't, like, it does nothing on the ship, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they haven't even been able to scan it to confirm that it's a life form at this point.
0: Oh, yeah. Ivanova said at the very beginning, we've tried scanning it. We, yeah. don't, we haven't learned anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why
1: does his ship have to leave the station and go jump away with Dr. Jacobs? He could just hang out in the bay and be there. This, they've already passed the scan, and the ship uh-huh. doesn't leave until after.
0: And we know that if you approach the ship, it targets you with its laser, with its ring doorbell.
1: Yeah. So no, no one's getting he, in No one's
0: there. going in that ship. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just leave it in the bay. It doesn't need to leave. I mean, it's nice to get the, a little bit of drama, and you could have the thing, you could still do the scan in Bay 13, or it's all like, well, it's just Ambassador Kosh's ship, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's the one thing we can't scan inside, and then they're just mm-hmm. like, well, scan it. <laughs> you could still uh-huh. do the thing. I don't, I don't know. It's just, is like, I... it's already done. Like, you've already scanned the station. You don't need to have him leave on the ship. You've already told us that. You've already set this table, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Chekhov's th- non-operable totally
1: scanner tells us that this isn't a plot problem. <laughs> yeah, Cranston's pissed. He can't do anything about it. Sheridan rubs mm-hmm. his nose and shit to commercial.
0: Yeah. And then we come back to the command staff, all entering Bay 13, after Kasha's ship has returned. hmm The whole patterns are moving, which is a cool effect. I do like it every time we see that. And Sheridan confirms that the ship is organic and alive. Mm-hmm. That's why it's registered a non-human life form. The ship reaches out and deposits a small package. The covering deteriorates, and we see Jacobs in his little fetal position coma. They bring him around, and he tells them that the ship sang to him while he was asleep.
1: Yep. Sheridan meets again with his resistant agent contact, delivers a data crystal, and they arrange for Jacobs to be taken off to a safe space.
0: Two things here. One, she's very high on the melodrama. And she tells him directly that he scored a major victory for the good guys, which might be the most suspicious thing you could possibly say (laughs) right there. (laughs) Right. If you have to tell me you're the good guys, I'm not so sure anymore. (laughs) And scene.
1: Yep, that's the episode.
0: So uh, now I am dying to know, Yeah. How do you feel about this episode?
1: I'm kind of meh about this episode, to be perfectly honest. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a bad episode, but it wasn't a good episode. The stuff yeah. with Kosh's ship was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, the effects. Yeah. And then, I mean, as far as, like, long-term stuff, like, knowing what Kosh is actually saying, knowing what, uh, you know, there's a little bit in there about what they look like under the encounter suits. And it's all like, mm-hmm. you're not ready for that. And knowing that they're not ready for that.
0: There is something that I was wondering is gonna, if it's going to get referenced later that Kosh mm-hmm. says. I think it's in the first conversation. Sheridan asks him if that's ever happened before. And I think he's referencing, you know, showing up in my dream. Yeah. Like, hearing the song. And he says, Kosh says once. And I was like, I don't remember if oh, we're going to find out what he's talking about. It's, I think
1: it's with Delenn. I think it's with Delenn and the Chrysalis. Okay. Is the the implication. But I'm not 100% on that. Okay. Also, in things I didn't clock, but I read online, apparently some of the language Kosh uses is very specifically pulled from the short story Childhood's End.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Which, if you are familiar with, um, is a spoiler for what the Vorlons look like. Okay. Um, I don't know. And well, that's an
0: Arthur C. Clarke, right?
1: Yeah. So. Okay uh childhood's end is a this is going to be super spoiler town so just fast forward like to maybe a minute right now listener uh, maybe a minute and a half Uh, i'll try to get through it really quick i'll just do the the plot twist so childhood's end aliens show up on earth make it a utopia elevate everyone but refuse to let their like what their physical appearance be seen is right they're like you're not Mm -hmm. ready you know, all this stuff, right? Like, you just, you couldn't handle seeing what we look like. Just trust us. And then a third of the way into the book, it's been, like, 40 or 50 years, and the aliens reveal themselves. And it's the fucking devil. Just, like, straight <laughs> up, like, every image of Satan ever. Like, the giant wings, the horns, and everything, right? Um, uh-huh. And so the Vorlon's kind of using that language and referencing that, knowing that it's the inverse mm-hmm. with them is fun. Hmm. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Also, *Child's End*, solid. Read it, mm-hmm. or if you don't want to read Classic. it, uh, *Sci-Fi* did a mini series of it a number of years ago. That's really good. That's a, that's one of the classics. *Charles Dance*, solid, solid uh, adaption. All right, it's okay, safe now, listener.
0: What was the other thought that you said? I I interrupted you with a thought.
1: Yeah, the Vorlon stuff is kind of cool. Um, it's just like kind of a blah episode.
0: Hmm. There's so many little holes in it for me. Yeah. Like, like you pointed out with Kosh's ship, like it didn't actually need to leave. Mm -hmm. We don't get the whole, any of the conversation where Sheridan goes to Kosh and says, hey, I need you to do this for me. Yeah. Like, that would have been an interesting or could have been an interesting conversation to see. Like, Mm -hmm. we've had just a couple of cryptic conversations with him. How are you going to convince him that you
1: Yeah, I need you to hide this this dude on your ship what from
0: my government yeah um i've been told to find him but i need you to hide him Uh, right there's it's a lot of explanation there that goes just glossed over and then just little writing things like like the you're in great danger when he's not in great danger at all it was just like we got to ratchet up the tension with something you know Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's my favorite
1: you know what i didn't check that i normally do who wrote Mm -hmm. this episode
0: oh yeah that's a very good question. Oh, we didn't check it on the last one either, which I thought was, it okay. is. Yeah. okay.
1: I think we're in, I think we got one or two left in the season that aren't, but I don't mm-hmm. think there are many.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like it was not any better than average.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's a solid three out of five for me. Just, mm-hmm. and it's only because the, uh, the stuff with the Voron ship was really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. I, do, I do like the stuff we learned about the Vorlons. It was very memorable for me, even though Jacobs himself wasn't quite as memorable. Mm-hmm. All the stuff we learned about the ship and the fact that we hid somebody on it is something I remembered. So it's kind of on the low side of three for me, but it's, it's an average episode of Babylon 5. All right. But what is our next episode of Babylon 5 going to be, Jaffer?
1: Well, the next episode on HBO Max is season two episode 14 and now for a word a reporter arrives on babylon 5 as a battle erupts and crew members and ambassadors give revealing interviews i do make that distinction because this is actually different than the air order Um, okay the air order had their honor lies as the next episode (laughs) Uh, but we get and now for a word in this airing so that's what we'll be doing the hbo max order
0: i remember this being a very unique and fun premise for an episode at least i don't actually remember much of the plot
1: yeah i like i remember this episode happening but i don't really as far as what happens in it i don't think i could tell you offhand so i'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to watching it again me too all right
0: well thank you to jeremy siegel at jeremy 42bandcampcom for Mm -hmm. our theme music
1: thank you to angry duck time machine for our podcast art and
0: thank you to you guys for listening
1: yeah we appreciate it no i was yeah, go ahead and shoot us an email, who are you b five at gmail.com. Uh hit us up mm-hmm. on our Discord. Yeah. It's a fun community there. You should join it if you want. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> I'm not gonna be the the podcast that says here and begs you to join our Discord if you want to. We'd be happy to have you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you next week, internet. Yep.